Are they clean? Are, are what? Are clean? they are they clean? Yeah. Have you, you trimmed them yes. lately? Um, are, are you talking about my petunias? I'm talking about your balls, Stephen. Wow. You know, when you use the promo code Dangle at Manscaped.com, you get 20% off and free shipping. Performance package 4.0. Get it. I love using my name as a promo code for ball products for I'm sh- myself. Listen, I'm sure it's a, you know, when, when Steve Dangle, like the name first came out, I'm sure you got a lot of testicle jokes thrown your direction. It was the uh, first thing um, I ever n- encountered in the wild. What do you mean? So oh, just uh, a pair of, pair of balls walking the, around or so, what happened? So the first time I got recognized in public came after the first time I got my dangle jersey made fun of in public. Um, so my wife had, who was my girlfriend at the time, got me uh, my dangle jersey, which has now been made into a chair yeah. for my 20th birthday. And there was a, uh, a drunk man at a Toronto Marlies game who said, dangle, huh? And I turn around and I go, yeah. He goes, you know what else that can mean? And I go, uh, Bet what? you're going to tell me. And he goes, means penis. <laughs> <laughs> Which, sir, it's, it's balls. Mm-hmm. It's not just penis. It could be both of them. You right. know? You know, so good. Listen, so I'll remember him forever. See, listen, on most of our promo codes, the promo code S- is SDP, but on Manscaped, it's Dangle. Dangle, and now, and now you know why, because penis and uh, <laughs> no, no, you know what testicles? Da- I mean, sorry, you know what, you know what Dangle stands for? What? Great deal. Yeah, twenty percent off and free shipping. Get yourself the Performance Package four point I don't even know what camera I'm supposed to be looking at right now. Which one? That the middle. It's that on, one. It's on the, the red light. Shot. Is yeah. it the red light one? No, that's just the that's the charger. Okay. It's turned around. All so right. You can't see which camera. Is Fine. Highlighted. Fine. But anyway, just throwing that out there. We need to use light. that promo code. Um, I want to shout this out yeah, tomorrow we, morning. No, we, says no. this one. No, we don't need to play the cameras. Why? Tomorrow morning <laughs> on Game Over International. Nope. 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 When, when, Game, Game Over today. Montreal. Game Over Montreal yeah. today? Yeah, after the Habs. Oh, game. it's today. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Chris Johnson showcast, CJ and Julian joining Andrew after today's Habs game. Very neat. Andrew is doing both. It's that, hard to keep up with whatever the hell Andrew is doing these days. There is such a ridiculous hockey schedule. Like today, for example. Yeah. There was a game this morning. There's going to be games uh, tonight at yeah. like regular time. And then there's a gold medal game at uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, Canada and the United States are both out on the men's side at the Olympics. USA loses in to Slovakia in a shootout. Canada can't score against Sweden 2-0. Um, is what it is. It's a Jesse, shame. It's a shame. Yeah. Now, Jesse, Yeah. when I told you that Canada had lost, when, when Jesse showed up at the house, they had just lost. Okay. Jesse... You had an opinion, and it may have had a little stank on it, too. When Jesse drops an opinion, sometimes it's very even, and other times it's like, <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Wow. You should get that checked. I, I agree. That's how Jesse dropped this one. This one had some stank. Jesse, give it to us. I think it's an opinion that many people will share, considering how this world has gone, but we will look back at these Olympics, and they will mean a little less. It's not that the loss doesn't matter, but we know Canada losing 
isn't them losing in a world where NHL players went to the Olympics. It is a different reality. It's not that the games don't matter. It's not that it doesn't matter to the players. Mm -hmm. We were not looking at this tournament as best on best, mm. as was the case for so uh, not Sochi, the one afterward. Um, Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang. Thank you very much. Uh, we don't look back at that and say, oh, you know, they lost best on best. It's a travesty. We need uh, to have 80 different meetings with Hockey Canada to find out what went wrong with our Canadian players. No, we don't have that after these Olympics. And we didn't have that after the last Olympics because in the eyes of, I think, of a lot of Canadians, a lot of hockey fans, mm -hmm. the Olympics mean a little less when NHL players aren't there. Follow up question. That's not quite the stank he dropped it with. Let me just say. Well, I have time here to explain my point. Follow up. Yes. Why do you hate children? I do not. I actually adore them. Yeah. Especially these two men here who have children. Well, I love your children. Thank you. Yeah, but you don't love the children that Miroslav Shatan coaches oh. in Slovakia. <laughs> you, you, your heart wasn't warmed, not even by a couple degrees, mm -hmm. Celsius even. Let me ask you a question. How much Olympics have you watched? Not a ton, Jesse Blake. <laughs> Adam Wild. Adam Wild? Let me ask you a question. How much Olympics have you watched? Zero percent. If no one's watching and somebody wins a gold medal, did they actually win a now, gold medal? Wow. Yes, they did. Yes, yes they, they did. did. They did. To be fair, they're all happening overnight, and then I've got I've got to do the morning show, and then we usually have this. So mm -hmm. I'm 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 watching. I'm actually watching Game Over International to know what's going on because I I don't know how else I would know. Like it's not even like to be honest with you. Like some of the breakdowns in Canadian sports media aren't great either. It's not great. The coverage isn't great. I'm sure it's great when you're watching it, but I just feel like I'm not... Do you know what I'm saying? It's not entering the it's, public pulse. I've heard... I know more about the trucker convoy. I can tell you more about that. More about hey, Freedom 2022. Hey, can you do me a favor? Don't. I won't. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't worry. But, like, I every day I'm like, I love sports. And they're like, the sports are on at 6 in the morning. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I like sports that much. <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you think you like sports and then you find out you got to get what up if, at like five in the morning. Let's take it to one so a different competition. There's, there's ski jumping. You know, what if in the ski jumping competition, the top 20 ski jumpers didn't compete because they were competing in the ski jumping league on in North America and they didn't make it over to base. Then it wouldn't feel like you'd, real ski you'd jumping. You'd look over at the ski jumping competition and be like, it's a little lesser. Right. But in the, ski jumping, in the ski jumping competition, all of the top ski jumpers are there. They're competing. If you go to the, ho it's just hockey. Like it's not a, a league. It's not anything. The Olympics are just supposed to be the best people, humans on earth competing in this thing. And they don't have that. They don't have the best humans there at the games playing the sport of hockey. Mm -hmm. The gold medal means a little less. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like mm. it hurts to say it, but it does. I have to agree. And what I what I will say is the one the the one that does matter. And listen, it's not to de denigrate the athletes and denigrate yeah, the players the or whatever. Thing. But it, the Olympics is supposed to be best on best, mm -hmm. right? The women's tournament is the one that matters to me in this one because it's best on best. Because mm -hmm. it's best on best, and that's that. I, I, and it's not because I don't think the men's one's fascinating. I was actually kind of interested to see how countries like Canada, the United States, Sweden would do without their best players. Mm -hmm. And Martin Marincin is going for a gold medal here soon, guys. It's, it's it's hilarious. It's great. But, you know, it's it. I am enjoying watching the Olympic Games and the World Cup of Hockey, which is starting to enter the news cycle mm -hmm. a little bit. I'm enjoying... Wait, wait, wait. I'm enjoying the Olympic Games 
and uh, World Cup of Hockey borrowing ideas from each other. Like, for example, these Olympics may feature a gold medal game with a country that isn't a country. Oh, the which, RFC? Yeah, which yeah. I think is really interesting. You get in the World Cup of Hockey, a team, some of Europe, and... Uh, yeah, Slovakia didn't even get their own team, did they? This, this one could have a team big bunch of cheaters. <laughs> yeah. They which really is, that's should... all I see when it says ROC. Some of Europe and big bunch of cheaters. They're, I'm excited. Their ban from the Olympics is one of the biggest farces in sport that's it's, going on right now. Probably the biggest one. It's... it's, it's it's just so ridiculous. They had a state. There's a beautiful documentary on Netflix about it. I forget the name of it. Oh, I watched that one too. With yeah. The, the I, hidden rooms and everything. Yeah. Oh, they, my they God. Had, they had a, their, their doping program where all of their athletes cheated was run by the government. And yeah, it, in Sochi. Just, in Sochi. And it just took a few individuals breaking the, the code of silence in Russia to out it. This year, like literally this week, yeah. they, we found out. No hyperbole, Russia drugged a child who won a gold medal, and it's fine. She can compete. The drugged child can compete for but Russia. if she wins, they will not hold a medal ceremony. Oh! <laughs> you know what? Here's the so problem. So teams I not a country will have their... Gold medal ceremony taken. What are we yeah, doing I here? I don't know if the event has gone on with the, the skater yet. So I, I it could have already happened. She could have lost or she could have won or whatever. But I know that going into the competition, they said, you know, she's she's going to compete. We're going to let her do it as we do our investigation. But if she wins, we're not going to acknowledge the victory. Just cheat. <laughs> Just cheat. Just, uh, okay. The next athlete who tests positive and gets stripped should absolutely be able to ask why. Give the medal back. No. Mm -hmm. No. It's like, and the country should just move forward as if they won. Ben Johnson should get uh, his medal back. Ben Johnson, Olympic <laughs> champion. Everybody, they Absolutely. Yeah. This is a widely reported fact, but Ben Johnson, who cheated in 1988, it has since been found that every single yep. athlete in that race yeah. was on some sort of performance-enhancing steroid that would now be considered illegal, but was not then. Best every cheater. single athlete in that final race. Every single and one. And he won. Okay. <laughs> Everyone cheated. He was the best one at cheating, and cheating's allowed. We know these three literal facts. Mm -hmm. Cheating's allowed. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's like the baseball garbage. They didn't have rules against steroids. Yeah, why does everybody get so mad about that? Like, do I think Mark McGuire belongs in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. They didn't have any rules. Ah. Also, it's a hall of, hey, this is baseball history. Just put the guy who has the most home runs Aaron's. in the Hall of Fame. It's not the, I've, I always say this about the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's not the baseball hall of great guys. No. There are murderers in the baseball hall of fame right now. Oh, dude. Um, is there? Yeah. That, I didn't, that is something I, I did not the, know. I forget the name of the guy, but he killed a person, and he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Listen. Is Ty Cobb good at, in the Hall of he was Fame? Good yes! At, Ty, Ty Cobb is in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> yeah. What did Ty Cobb do? Everything. Every goddamn thing, Adam. Like, really? He was, he was an enormous racist. He beat people yep. up. He, oh, he beat up a fan. I did not know that about Ty Cobb. Oh, yeah. Oh, look it up. Really? He would skate at people like with the, he, I think he, wasn't he the guy who sharpened his spikes? He was a nutcase. The man's name is Martin Burgeon, I think, is the Hall of Famer who's, who murdered someone. It's, it was, there's a, there's it's a, so stupid. There's a reliever in the Hall of Fame <laughs> with a sub 500 record. 
Really? Yeah, I forget his name. But they were talking about like, like, oh, it's so hard to make it into Cooperstown. And one writer was like, well, not really. <laughs> Even the <laughs> WWE has the, cur- the, the common courtesy to stop acknowledging murderers in their midst. It's true. Was that wow? Who, how did we get here? I don't know. Doesn't matter because Sweden Just, beat Canada. Yeah, because Jeez. Sweden beat. As, <laughs> there's also no murderers. The Swedes. <laughs> Russia turning around. Like what the? What you do have, we do? Also, every Russia, every Russia. record pre the I forget when they integrated the Negro League, but every record pre integration of 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 race in America, it should be thrown out the window because they took up half of like. The best players in baseball didn't play in the baseball league because they weren't allowed because people were racist. Mm-hmm. And so these these rec- where were we with the records and them not counting? I, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think the, you should the take Olympic that away from medals. Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> I think they played a good game, had good defensive structure. We need to look they at came together on we a very need to short schedule. The new the point I think we're trying to make is that. There's a lot of nuance that are going into sports right now within the Olympics. Whether it's cheating, whether it's the best athletes not being there, we can't just look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that team won and they're the best. No, we know that that's not true, but it doesn't take away from the accomplishments of those athletes. No, No, it doesn't. And I'm not saying all Russians are cheaters. I'm saying the Russian Olympic program is clearly riddled with cheaters (laughs) according to the olympics according to their own people yes (laughs) and listen so for anybody that comes back and goes it's not like americans haven't cheated of course or canadians or whatever but we just mentioned ben johnson uh i just don't know that it's state sponsored like lance armstrong at least in the in north america we do it with a little tinge of capitalism yeah right and we pretend to be sorry after (laughs) no wasn't lance armstrong was sponsored by ups was he not he was yeah but but i think or usps the united states post which is government so he was sponsored by but they didn't (laughs) they didn't make him pee in a cup in a random room the united states postal service made Lance Armstrong take all those steroids. You know what? Jesse's got a point. Always follow the money. Adam, he's right. Follow the money. Do we have any, uh, like, are there any games on tonight? Or- I don't also, give, gives a shit. The, um, the frogs. The frogs. The frogs are doing things. The frogs are gay and also on and steroids. And they're great dancers and they dress really well. Anyway, um, can we talk about, uh, can we talk about this? Uh, I want to shout out to uh, Agent Provocateur. Oh, before we move off of the Olympics, oh, okay. I have something for the Olympics. Oh, what do you have? One, uh, yeah, tomorrow night, game over Montreal, Thursday, St. Louis, Montreal. After that, watch Andrew Burke try and see the show together. Right. Tonight, oh, that's what I was going to get to, but you can do You're it doing Agent Provocateur. I know, but I was also going to get to that. It's part of the network thing that I'm going to run down. No, but this has oh. to do with the Olympics. All right, makes, why would you Why fine. would you move off of the Olympics and then go you back to the Olympics? You know that doesn't what? make sense. You know like what? when mom and dad fight. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash Live. We're running a simulation of uh, the, the gold medal game tonight. <gasps> Canada versus USA because NHL 22 added all the women's players for these uh, international rosters. So we're going to run a sim and we're going to see who wins and we're going to see if it backs up what actually happens in real life. I love it. 8 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash Live. This is fun. That's a fun one. Okay. I really like that. That's going to be great. Um, I So Agent Provocateur mentioned uh, on another show, the Jeff Merrick radio program where he had somebody he's never spoken to before, Elliot Friedman. Was it 32 Thoughts? No, it was the Jeff Merrick show with Elliot Friedman. 
32 Thoughts is Elliot Friedman with Jeff Merrick. Join us as we break this down on Game Over Montreal featuring the Chris Johnston Show. <laughs> it reminds me of the Jay and Dan promo. It's like where Calgary faces Edmonton yeah. in Calgary and Edmonton. Anyway, continue, please. So they're talking about uh, imp implementing a luxury tax, if that's a good idea. Or oh! And who is one of the biggest purveyors of that? Alan Adam Wilde. <laughs> Alan Wilde. <laughs> so here's what I'm talking about. Ugh. There are very few exceptions, and I can live with one or two exceptions to make it more interesting. You know, Alan Walsh has made this point a number of different times. Alan, for those who don't know, is um, one of the more outspoken agents in the industry who has his own podcast, we should point out as well. Um, you know, he's always lobbied for the uh, the luxury tax system, and I think a lot of people What's it called? at this moment what network, Jeff? what happened with Kucherov. Ah! That's Jeff! It. That's it. We mention Sportsnet all the time. They pretend like we don't exist. You know what, Sportsnet, if you keep treating us like that, we're going to do nothing. Yeah. You know what? I didn't like that. For, uh, Jeff, is it? Yeah. I didn't like that. You should have said the show. <laughs> that was on terrestrial radio. He said, Alan Walsh has a podcast. Here, wait. Uh, for the audience, explain what that is. Oh, that's the thing where you're sitting in your car and your dad turns on a, a machine in the dashboard and it plays just talking guys. Your dad is keeping me employed. Can yeah. you guys just keep listening to the radio, please, Scott? So he, he says Alan Walsh has a podcast. Yeah. He can't, he can't drop the name of the podcast? We're closing in. What the hell, Jeff? We're closing in. We're gonna get you. Jeff. I think. I think it. I should think, we start beef? I think. Yeah. Should yeah. we start with beef with the Jeff Merrick yeah. show? Oh my god! Is this warring factions <laughs> right now? <laughs> we're fighting Jeff. No, Jeff is the best and was amazing to us. No, no, when we were nobody. Oh, sorry, Jeff Merrick. You're Say the name, Jeff. <laughs> Say the name. What network? What show? Say the name. Uh, <sighs> anyway, no. I. So they were talking about. Luxury tax in that particular instance. And it's funny. I saw a tweet yesterday. I forget who it was from. But it's like, if your team isn't subverting the NHL hard cap, it's literally their fault. Yeah. like, And that's a really good... Like, Jeff, the fact that Elliot's coming in and going, well, now they're going to enforce it. Really? Because they've had eight years and they haven't. How about... It's... Okay. It's not players faking injuries. Because I think that's the misconception. No, no, there. de they're definitely injured. Yeah, Vegas is not um, fabricating a Mark Stone injury. What they're allowing him to do is to get better health care sooner. When you think about it. This is, if it, he's not getting cosmetic surgery done on his back. <laughs> you know what I mean? A hundred percent. He's getting his back fixed. Uh, the amount of time he's going to save... Just from body maintenance. And who knows? Maybe he'll be at peak performance faster. Yeah, get good. Yeah. Get good is, is all the, I can say. And, Vegas is doing what they should be doing. And the shitty teams have remained shitty. Yep. And the good teams have come back and been good. Yep. And and I, I, you know, we always get into this, and I always say this, but but stop swallowing the message that Gary Bettman, not trustworthy guy, keeps sending you, which is... That the for small market teams to compete, that they need a hard cap. It's bullshit. That's it's the craziest thing. Same people will tweet me and go, "Yeah, I don't fucking like Batman either." And then they'll say, "Small market teams can't compete without the cap." Well, who told you that? Gary told you that. All right. That's a Gary Batman one hundred and one message. Stop believing it. It's what? bullshit. Dude. If you get the rich teams to spend more, there will be more money in the equalization payments after the season is over. It's a fucking fact.
Stop! When I grew up, the Stanley Cup champions were the New Jersey Devils. who <laughs> Detroit Red Wings. Did, which is, okay, Pittsburgh so small Penguins. market, big market. Pittsburgh Penguins twice. Small market. Edmonton Oilers. The Dallas Stars, which are interesting. They'd be a medium market, I would think. Yeah, like... But they spent a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I don't know, man. I don't know. They're... It, they're Other the than rich like, teams are already paying more than their uh, fair share for none of the benefits. You know yeah. what I mean? There's revenue sharing. They're paying... They're paying for the Coyotes. I'd be pissed about yeah, that if I was an owner. They're straight up paying more money for their roster than you are. Mm-hmm. The, like how many how many times do we need the coyotes to to acquire a person who does not exist or someone who is making why in a hard cap league are we allowed to have players with salaries like mon- money salaries that go up and down should that even be allowed because it's it's just an easy target for what is essentially hockey's version of money laundering mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean why well, is they're that not allowed commi- in a hard Steve, cap league? It, it, listen if it's this easy to circumvent the cap which it is the point is not to really have a hard cap for anybody other than that works that works in the benefit of the owners what? and that's that's the problem right the purpose of the salary cap isn't for parity no the purpose of the salary cap is to prevent owners from spending too much money and but- pissing off who? Other owners. It, but we already know that it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Teams are spending in excess of $100 million. It straight up doesn't work. The most expensive team in the league is in last. <laughs> Guys, it doesn't. It's made up. It's a lie. Stop it. Luxury tax now. Signed, Toronto Maple Leafs Thank fans. you. Thank you. Basement. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now let's get into this. Um, so now that the Olympics have wrapped up for the men's team in Canada, what do you do? And I want to it's say over men, like men's <laughs> men's hockey, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wrapped the, up this morning. They still got to play the gold medal game. No, the men's team for in yeah, Canadian team Canada. Team. I mean, team Canada. Okay. Did it, I not it, say it, team no. Canada? It made it sound like you were saying men's hockey's over. Well, I was saying if Canada and the United States are in, fuck them, right? It's only a two-horse race anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, no, I, I'm, what I meant was Team Canada. My apologies. The reason I bring that up is uh, I want to talk about Josh Hosang. What now? Because now the situation is Nye. It's Matthew Nye's. Wait, what do you do with, also a- What do you do with Josh Hosang now? Because he can come back, sign a deal with anybody. He's already said, I'm going to check with Toronto first. Is that your deadline acquisition on forward? Because you do want some depth on forward. But, like, do you then waive Nick Ritchie 
Nobody, nobody claims him, and then you can send him down. Like, what do you do there? That I think is part of the reason why a Nick Ritchie move is coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's certainly the impression I got from last hockey night in Canada or two hockey night in Canada's ago. Elliot Friedman made it sound like it was pretty imminent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so that the Leafs can bring on cheap forward depth, right? Like, I don't think this is going to help with their you know, what ends up being their deadline acquisition on D. Um, I think we're talking way simpler here. We're talking about signing Josh Hosang to an NHL contract. We're talking about um, maybe Nick Abrazese, um from the American program comes over. Um, something like that. But they got to clean up their house a little bit first. So what's interesting about the Nick Ritchie situation is that... Um... Because he's under the age of 27, his buyout is only a third. So when you buy him out, all it costs you against your cap next year is 300 grand. That might be the way. And it might, it might be the way. Because here's the thing. Even if, and I, I, I don't know if anybody, I would love Dom decision to do this. Mm. Assign to me a monetary value for each draft pick. How much is it worth? People have done this. Have they done this? Yeah. What would, yeah. What, what's the draft pick that's worth $300,000? Against your cap. So I'm trying to... I know the Leafs have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. For like fourth rounders. For like fourth rounders. Robin Leonard, I'm trying Leonard, to remember the exact deal. Yeah, that was ridiculous. They paid... Yeah, it, ended up, it, it was it was a lot of money in that weird Chicago three-way deal for Robin Leonard. For, yeah, I think they came out of it with like a fifth. Or, or something like that. It's weird. So, which means MLSE... Gave Kyle Dubas a green light to make a trade where he spent, I don't know, let's let's stick a fork in four hundred grand for a draft pick that's got like a twenty percent chance. Twenty percent of making the NHL 20. maybe that's high for a fifth rounder? Yeah. Twenty percent. And like a maybe two significantly lower percent chance of playing two hundred plus games in the NHL. You know what I mean? So uh, I've Three three hundred grand is actually. Uh, I'm warming up to the idea of a buyout. I well, generally don't like it, but I and I I feel like and I feel bad for Nick Ritchie because you know he can produce at the NHL level. He had 15, 16 goals last year, right? He'll like have he's an good. NHL contract within a week of the buyout for sure. So my question is, if I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm doing, uh, you could save nine hundred thousand dollars on his contract by sending him down, right? If I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm doing this deal, the only reason I'm doing this deal is because I want the flexibility now. But if you're asking me for like even a fourth, do you want the player or do you not want the player? If you don't want the player, then we'll keep the player, right? Yeah. Like, and how much money is that 2.5 million really going to get? Could be significant enough, I guess. But if you look at what's out there and Jonas Siegel put together a potential like list of trade deadline targets and a lot of people are saying, listen, don't expect much. Like he mentioned guys like, you know, Scott Mayfield or Artem Zub or... Um, you know, Mark Pissick is one that, you know, he's, he's a good penalty killer with the Sabres. He, you know, Leaf advanced stats people have wanted him for a long, long time. I'll take Mark Pissick. Uh, maybe Colin Miller. I don't think Ben Sherratt's the guy. No. Justin Braun was an interesting one. I really like this one. He's 35, headed for free agency, and he's boring. And he played with Mark Edward Vlasic, so he knows how to play, you know. I need boring. boring. Boring is good. He's the best one. But if you look at like... Classic's mean. Really underratedly mean. But Klingberg, Manson, Shen, DeMello, 
all these names are here. Adam Larson potentially, maybe, but it's it's just like the the what you would have to give up to get these guys. I don't know that the Leafs have it. Um, it's it sort of harkens back to the 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 Zach Hyman conversation between the Leafs and Oilers. Remember the Oilers offered they wanted they wanted to acquire Zach Hyman via trade so they could get the eighth year, which would bring his cap hit down from five point five to five point one. $400,000 a year. Ken Holland thought that was worth a sixth round pick. Kyle Dubas thought that was worth a second round pick. I think Dubas is closer to right, to be honest. And he got nothing. And he got nothing. <laughs> so I. So would he be willing to give up nothing then? Yeah, I don't know. I To me, to me it's, it's like, it's a question of, you know, do the Leafs have a good chance of winning the Stanley Cup? From what I've seen, like, based on, like, I, I, I saw a graph this morning. I think it was from Money Puck. And they had the Leafs at about 8%. And they had Tampa at about 12%. You know, that's a big 4, per, 4 percentage gap, by the way. Yeah. You know, 8 and 12 sound like they're close. They're not close. 12, you know, I think Florida was at 11%. Ah! Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough. Amazing. Like amazing. Oh, what a nightmare. So, so the question oh. is, do you have to go for it? And I think you do. Like this team, you have to reward this team. They've been a, a spectacular team. Um, but it's a matter of how do you reward them? Because next year, the team will be largely the same. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't make a bad deal just to make a deal. Like if the right. deal's not out there, you hope that Dubas can hold back and not make the deal. And like looking at the the players you listed off there, Adam, I'm like nothing really entices me. Like a lot of... Like Klingberg's Lots gonna go. Severson is, is the second coming of Jake Gardner. You don't want to bring him into this market, I don't think. Um, and that's by the way, second coming of Jake Gardner to me is a compliment. I like to Jake Gardner, but I know how this market reacts to Jake Gardner's. I've seen, yeah, a lot of Leaf fans turn on the idea of getting Severson. I think getting any improvement on Justin Hall is great, but if we're gonna be picky about it, you want someone who's better on the defensive end of the puck. Adam Larson, he's got three more seasons at four million dollars. I, I think Seattle. I think Seattle's gonna end up being a trade partner for the Leafs. The more I think about it, what? No, why? In what regard? Uh, we know Dubas and Ron Francis are friendly. Mm -hmm. um, Seattle has too Could it many. Could be the Sioux connection. It's the Sioux connection. You bet, baby. Um, and uh, um, uh, they have too many defenders. And, they do. They do. And uh, the Leafs could potentially. Seattle would have done a thorough evaluation of everybody. Um, they would know the Leafs prospect pool. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder who they would want. Um, Dylan DeMello is a name I, I also find interesting. But again, two more seasons after this one at $3 million bucks. Uh, mm, For a guy I, that's I not. What's that? I think I'd take him. Would you take him? I'd take Dylan DeMello. Big fan. I, I'm a big fan too, but he's ne he's never been a guy that's played a lot of top four minutes. If the Leafs can find a deal that gets money out as well, I mean, I think you're probably talking about Hall and Richie. Yeah, because those are Hall's contracts not small compared to what Hall makes or what Hall provides right now. Right? Yeah. It was a it was a good little signing when it happened, uh, but this season at two million bucks, it's kind of like ugh. On one hand, Alex Kerfoot was really good in the playoffs for the Leafs last year. Yeah. Six points in seven games. Uh, he filled in at center mm -hmm. when they really needed it, when Tavares was out. But he's played left wing almost exclusively this year. 
And he played left wing a lot last year. The Leafs identified left wing as such a weakness last year that they were willing to give up a first and two fourths to fix that problem. With Nick Foligno. With Nick Foligno. And it was Nick Foligno and Alex Kalchenyuk who, they, like, they completely rebuilt the left side of the ice. Michael Bunting is not getting knocked off that top line spot because he amazing. shouldn't. The Leafs clearly don't think Ilya Mikheyev is the answer. Mm-hmm. They've already benched Kerfoot, um, who granted did score against Seattle. To me, if we're talking about a money out move, mm-hmm. I think he's the guy. But I don't like not having the insurance just in case one of your centers goes down. I agree. So would you not rather take away from another area? Uh, what other area is that? And what's, That's the problem. what's Kerfoot get you? Are we talking Josh Manson? Because Josh Manson, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm listening. Because he brings all the, he can move a puck. He's mean. He's big. He's 30. Yeah, he's <sighs> but if it if it gets into a situation where the Leafs are giving up Kerfoot plus a first and a sixth, then I'm like, that's why are we selling so much to get a defenseman who's going to play with I, Muzzin? No, I don't think that's how it goes. I don't think that's how it ends up going. It seems like we all, we're always like, hey, the Leafs will go get this guy, and then they pay a lot for whatever player it is. It's been two deadlines in a row. I think everyone should be prepared to be thoroughly underwhelmed which that's, is why i said what, seattle that's what i'm very excited yeah. for just uh yeah. something that doesn't cost a lot okay yeah, all they, right that's you know? why i picked seattle because uh they don't have defenders who are really gonna jump off the page at you but they still might improve the leafs defense which yeah, is all which they is, need what did you yeah. think of muzzin and lilligren being uh, maybe your deadline move, and then if if Muzzin and Lilligren work out, because that's what they played on in, on Monday. Mm-hmm. So then, do you have to get a, a top six? No, you, you get a you get a Braun or a Pissick. I think yeah. at that point, and I and they like it was Jonas Siegel said it was probably a low round pick that I get you Justin Braun. If you can, be if good. He, even if he plays like if you if you drop, a, I don't even know what the Leafs have honestly in picks. Uh, they not have, much. <laughs> they have their for this year. They first have their and first and second, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they're allowed to spend their seventh. They're because not because it's uh, they it's conditional traded it for Brendan Manel. It'll but, it'll end up being nothing. The Leafs will get to keep that pick, but it's still you can't trade it. But they've yeah. got all their picks for next year except for their seventh rounder next year. So you you'd have to look at it like a fourth or a fifth next year. Mm-hmm. That is fine. is Lilligren an answer in top four? He's an answer. It's just. I don't, it's a I, lot to throw at him going into the playoffs, isn't it? He's another... Uh, I, he I got like he's, 40 games. I think he's a good defender. He's I, a good I defender like a who's getting better. I'm not convinced about him in front of the net. I literally just want a body mover. Mm. I want a body mover. All right, well, here's Ben Chirot. Okay, no, I said a good body mover. I need you to... Mm-hmm. I need you to also, do. Ben Chirot costs a lot of money. There, yeah, Eric yeah, Angles is saying that'll be a first-round pick. Yeah. That's insane for Ben Chirot. And listen to this. Okay, you can so, spend whatever you want if you win, <laughs> that's but true. I just, I'm not sure. Uh, don't put that kind of pressure on the Leafs over Ben Sherratt is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But look at this. Um, Sherratt uh, is used to the rough stuff. This is from Jonas Siegel's article in The Athletic. The kind of brutally tough competition uh, the Leafs would need uh, from him. He Good. was Shea Weber's tag team partner during Montreal's shocking run of the Stanley Cup final last season. Good. How does he fare in those minutes? How does he? Well, the Habs were outscored 16-7 to oh. opposite elite competition when Sherratt was on the ice against them last season in the regular season. 48% possession. And this year, that number is even worse. 
So I don't think first. I don't think Sherrod's the guy. <laughs> no, he's also well. He was injured, and they say he's gonna be fine. But like, he got an injury. Well, no. <laughs> How good him, is your injury? Put healed? him with Jake Muzzin, who's also injured, and right. get uh, plus one chemistry <laughs> oh, or something. Yeah. In video I'm games. worried about any team <laughs> like, that goes after Sherrod. Uh, you put a firebolt next, or sort of the lightning bolt next to the hammer. And that's the good. That's the green chemistry. How hard is it to get a right-handed defender who's good at hockey? For God's sake, it's very hard. For God's sake, very hard. Very, just very, do very it. Very hard. Simply. Um, uh, uh, a couple of things from thirty-two thoughts that actually came out a, a few hours ago. Um, yesterday, uh, I believe it was Frank Saravalli that reported that Vegas does want to get another goalie, and they had potentially inquired about Mark Andre Fleury. Hilarious. And Elliot Friedman said, I'm not, I don't really like doing this, but it's too juicy not to pursue. Golden Knights GM Kelly McCrimmon says, no truth to it. Duh. <laughs> the way that relationship ended, I am not shocked by that. Keep an eye on Carolina. For Marc-Andre Fleury? Uh, for goalies. They have, Interesting. Uh, not for acquiring, for potentially dealing one. Because you got Freddie, who's kicking ass. Yeah. Freddie, who's kicking ass. Ranta, who's kicking ass. But they just brought over a kid. I forget his name, but he's one of the best prospects. Uh, that there is. They got Alex Lyon, who's who's played in the NHL as well. Um, and we know Carolina is weird and likes to do weird things. So that would be a selling move for a buyer, you know, which is they unusual, are, which is, yeah, that's Carolina's flavor, baby. They're unpredictable. That's yeah. the, You know, sometimes when you're playing, um, like, I don't know if you guys play cards or playing video games with somebody who's new at it, and you can expect certain things from your friends because they have preferences. And then this other person, you're like, I don't know what they're going to do. That's what Carolina is every trade deadline. There's two nets. There's the NHL net and the AHL net. You could argue there's the ECHL net, but usually that's dominated by one guy who's at a very specific point in his career. Uh, there's two nets. So I, I wonder if there's a deal there. Um, oh, wait. So we're not going to spend an hour on Flurry to Vegas? No. <laughs> Because Adam, because is it happening or not? <laughs> You're asking me? Yes. <laughs> we can ask Alan on Provocateur this week, but do I don't it. know if he's allowed to discuss that sort of stuff. Like, actually, that's one of the things that we talked about. And people do ask me, like, hey, do you think Alan knows anything? I'm like, I'm sure he does know stuff, but we are not allowed to discuss. That's client information. He's, he's, he's got to catch agent. him off guard. Catch him, catch him off guard. Listen, Alan, uh, I know you were in Vegas for the All-Star game, and you, you got a very interesting experience. Um you got to see the Bellagio Fountain. Just going to Vegas. Just catch him off guard like that. It's a little interview tip. Okay. Yeah, I, I know you're new at this. So. <laughs> see, it's a little interview tip. So Alan's not allowed to talk about that stuff with mm -hmm. me or with anyone. So I don't ask him. I don't ask him. I don't know. Demand. <laughs> Demand. <Don't> ask. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. Take the information. <laughs> steal. Steal. <laughs> Set your interview skills to steal. Set your microphone to steal. Get a Samsung microphone and set it to steel. Okay, can I tell you a potential trade that I hate? And unless yes. you're a fan of this team, you're going to hate it too. Oh, I think I know. Who do you think it is? Claude Giroux to Colorado. Who do you think it is? Let's see. Georgiev to Edmonton. Ooh. Ooh. And then Edmonton and Leafs in the finals, and then Georgiev steals it because that's the only team he's good against. Ooh. Um, no, I the you got the player, you did not get the team. If you're in the Western Conference and Giroux ends up on on a the Avalanche, yeah, I hate that. Fridge says in this one, if you friggin' say it, it's not going to be the Lightning. Claude Giroux potentially Florida. 
Oh, oh. I, thought, oh I definitely thought you were going to say Vegas. I was no, like, no. I'm going to kick your ass. No, 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 oh no. My God. no. That, I would have deserved an ass kicking for even bringing that up. But yeah. that's a good fit, and I fucking hate it. I yeah. hate that. He does. Because he's a bastard in the playoffs. Yeah, like he. Uh, you're you're talking about a guy who does not have to worry about scoring because it's the Florida holy shitting Panthers, and he's just free to we're, be the biggest asshole. Where in the Sam world. Bennett is the next Pavel Bure for some reason. Just what a what a well, and they're in a really interesting reset uh, period because they have three games this week. Yeah, sixteenth, uh, eighteenth, and twentieth. Love fantasy hockey. Um, they did not play a game. <laughs> Uh, they had a game February 1st and their next one is, um, today. <laughs> yeah, they got their actual Olympic really? break. Yeah. Them and LA, LA played their first game yesterday, uh, since <laughs> the all-star break. Like there, I think them, San Jose, uh, there are some teams who actually got two weeks off. The, the, this is a bizarre season, man. Mm -hmm. The discrepancy between, um, the team who has played the most games and the least is eight, yeah. I believe. And it's past Valentine's Day. You know what I'm looking forward to? What? As a, as a hockey card what? nerd. Who is going to finish this season with the most games played? Because if, for example... You're looking at the guy who played 84 games in a season. Yeah. 84? There's, there's the potential for someone from like the Red Wings to get traded to the Wild... And they'll finish the season with close to 90 games. Cool. It's it's entirely possible. They could set a record for most games played in an NHL Steve Eiserman owes it to us. Mm -hmm. Call up Bill Garen, make something happen. Giroux's the best forward available, I would say. Currently, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's like on yeah. the trade block and everything. So it's interesting to see where he wants to go because he does have a no-move clause. It's his mm -hmm. choice. And I've, I've heard uh, Freeman report that he's not going to a team like Calgary. He doesn't really want to go to Canada. So Florida makes sense. Like, who's the team that's going to buy? It's not going to be Tampa because they just don't have the cap space to do it. Uh, Carolina. Uh, not yet. Not yet. But uh, Carolina, maybe they make the big deal. It doesn't seem like that's really their wheelhouse. No. So Florida's, if you're, if you're looking at an Eastern Conference team, Florida's kind of the one that's sitting there to make the run. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. And Bill Zito. Isn't he a former agent? I don't know. I think he is. I yeah. Yeah. Big splash. I, I like it. The other thing yeah. that's going to be interesting with this trade, wherever Giroux ends up, if he gets traded, is Philadelphia, rightly or wrongly, expects to be in the playoff race next year. They've talked about that. They said, we're going to be in the playoffs next year. Now, when you look at the roster, there is talent. There's big talent on that roster. They got it. One day. They need a different coach. One day, Carter Hart is going to arrive, like in a big way. Yeah. And it's going to completely change the outlook of the organization. Or we keep saying that for 10 years and it never happens. Or, or like, what if he's just kind of good and stop putting a shitty team in front of him? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, that. have a team that plays structure. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, is Vigneault gone yet? I, I Honest to goodness, don't, I don't even know. The head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers? Yeah. Mike Yeo. Okay, Remember, so Mike Vigneault's Yeo? gone. Yeah. This Mike Yeo was the, the thing about the Flyers, man. Like I don't even know who's there. They're boring and irrelevant, which they, That's can't, not they can't be. No. No, they can't be. No. They need to be brash, winning assholes. Mike Yo was the guy that St. Louis fired the year that they won the cup, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. I think Yo took over for Vino, who got fired. Yeah, right. remember, they, they fired uh, Vino on December 6th. Oh, this season. Our, yeah. Honestly, there's like this particular season, there's pre-Omicron and post-Omicron. 
for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pre-Omicron, I can't remember. Uh, but I, I, uh, I think... I think what it is for the Flyers is that like they need to decide what they are. And I think they can go a long way to deciding what they are with, with whatever the return is on uh, Giroux. Here's, here's a good identity. Being a team not managed by Chuck Fletcher. I think I that's think a good that's, identity. I, think I don't think that's going to that. change. But Chuck Fletcher had a big old run in M Minnesota. He knows how to work the room. He knows how to work the room. Hmm. He knows how to keep an owner happy. Now, is room slang for throw money? He does know how to throw money. And Philly has money. It's it's like um, Arrested Development when he tries to throw the paper into the ocean. Yeah. He does that with money. <laughs> Chuck Fletcher <laughs> was in Minnesota for eight years, 11 months, and one day. Oh, man. How'd they how, do? How far did he go in the playoffs? Second round? Uh, they never made it out of the second. No. Like his resume's not great. His resume sucks. <laughs> and and now he's like he was just he was promoted in 2019 to the president of hockey operations. So he runs the entire show there in Philly. And his resume there hasn't been impressive. I I uh, Connor well, McDavid is on a 100 million dollar deal, and he gave Zach Parise and Ryan Suter um, four million dollars shy of two Connor McDavid's. Oh. Now, you give them matching $98 million contract. So, just, do I believe the Philadelphia Flyers will be a playoff team next year? No. No. Hold on, hold the on. Metro is also really good. What you got? Hold on. I would, let's have a look at... I want to do a deep dive on the Flyers for just a moment here. <laughs> Before we get Flyers fans in our mansion going, Did you know? Right. Which is what they'll do. We did. So, Claude's coming off the books. They still got JVR signed for $7 million after this season. You got Cam Atkinson, who's still Cam Atkinson in a pain in the ass. Konyekny, who I love... I do like who him. should be a Leaf. Still mad that they didn't pick him. Um, Scott Lawton, Oscar Lindblom, Dude, and then Drew coming off the books is terrible news for them. Why? You got eight million bucks. That's free agent cap space that they're gonna throw at some <laughs> someone bad. The next overpay. They have now. a ton like, of you, cap space. If you're looking at uh, their cap friendly right now, I what am. we need to do is read off their IR list oh. and the amount of emergency loans they have up with the team right now. They've been decimated so, by injuries. Yeah. So Kevin Hayes. Obviously, that's a bad one. Yeah, uh, Rasmus Ristolainen is out, and it looks like it doesn't say how long. Uh, Jer Joel Farabee, Nate Thompson, tough, Patrick tough. Brown, Samuel Morn. So those and last two are on LTIR. Ryan Ellis. Oh and yeah, Sean Couturier. Couturier. Like, half is half, half of their team really is tough. on uh, LTIR. Yeah. By the way, Couturier has a new contract. I think that kicks in next year mm -hmm. for seven point seven five million dollars. So there's your. It's so, a good deal for Katuria. Yeah. I like when and they, Ellis has a wow, Ellis's deal is long. I know, dude. Like, this is why, like, when they say they oh. expect to make the playoffs next year, I'm like, well, yeah, financially you're behaving that way. Um, and you know, if everyone's healthy, blah, 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 blah. But they're a team where you sort of everything needs to go right. You know what I mean? And the more obstacles get thrown at them, the worse they do. The worst and, they do, which yeah. any team is going to do, but some teams it bends them and doesn't break them. It breaks the Flyers. And the aging players need to be at their peak. Like They're not asking for a bunch of young guys to grow up and perform uh, to their potential. They're asking for um, average-aged NHL players to play at their maximum capabilities. What happens to aging players more often? They uh, get decline. Injured. They decline and get hurt. <laughs> Yo, they're saying that about Klingberg right now. There are people out there saying John Klingberg wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't sign him that long-term deal that he wants. Yeah, like... Like Dallas. You talk about someone having an anti-cadry season. 
Yeah. Kadri yeah. <laughs> is playing himself into like eight, yeah, seven, eight million. And like, how he's a center. How do I, Nazem Kadri, get less than Matt Duchesne did a couple years ago? Maybe because Matt Duchesne did it longer. He did it longer, and but didn't do it right before signing. True. That's, you know, didn't do it right like, before signing at all. But like Naz, okay, so I'm just going to play the other side of this. So no, please I know. Do, nobody fucking yeah. tweet me with your, you know, like. Adam don't get thinks Matt Duchesne is better than Kadri. Why? Right. <laughs> but I just want to say that like Kadri was a career, like his highest career point output was in 16, 17, 61 points before this. And that's oh, in 82 really? games. Last year, he only had 32 and 56. The year before, 36 and 51. So this year has been a renaissance. It's been amazing. And I, I wouldn't even call it a renaissance because, frankly, he's never done this before. But th this past game that he played, he got a 60-second point. That's a career high. So That's to expect that, unless you're putting him in top-line roles, which is what he's in right now, to expect this kind of point output again is, is just, you can't. There are t two players you go look at their career trajectory and then look at this season. You cannot make sense of it. It's Nazem Kadri and Chris Kreider. So with Matt Duchesne, I said he did it longer. Maybe Matt Duchesne skated on... He was the third overall he pick. He was the third overall pick. And then his first two seasons, or his first three seasons, like it, you know, he did 55 and 81, 67 and 80. And then in 2011, 2012, he, he fell off a little bit, got injured. And then, you know, 43 and 47, 70 and 71, but then never got close again. And, and that's 13, 14. Eight? What's that? Yeah, he got eight times eight. Or something like and that. His last season over 60 points was 13 14 come on now so yeah if you're using him as a comparable i think yeah matt duchene's one of those guys to me that seems like oh you're the third overall pick and there's some there's some cachet with them. i'm not using this to disparage him i'm using this as here's a comparable. i'm nazim kadri and i am not taking a dime less than that but is, are you going to get the same term is this a Probably william not. carlson 17 18 season yes that's what, so. that's how i pulled it up because that's how i'm looking at this william carlson career like 40 goals that year 30 point 40 point guy all of a sudden one season has 43 goals 35 is a 78 points Kadri is never going to be that again no but Kadri has a longer track record of well I'm at least good like yeah I have, William I Carlson have, came off a five goal season <laughs> yeah Kadri's <laughs> right. yeah, had a pair of 30 goal seasons do you right. remember by the way but it's not 50 no do you guys remember when Justin Bourne said wow Whoever the Columbus scout was that didn't recognize William Carlson should be fired, and then the guy tweeted him. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if he did get oh, fired. <laughs> I don't know, oh. but that, it is a rough look that they gave him up and he scored forty. Yeah. Like that's wild, wild, and he's been a second line guy from them for, forever since. Which, I, by the way, Columbus could use right now. Yeah, yeah. but since yeah. since that season, these are the point totals for William Carlson: seventy eight. Then fifty six, then forty six, then thirty nine, then seventeen. Every year it's going down by like ten. Yeah, you know. Do we yes, see? Do we see season, Kadri? Blah, 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 blah. Is this the mountain for Kadri? Yes. And then now, and that's oh, okay. Goes down. It's definitely the mountain. But, but he's you, been consistently a, a 55, 60 so, point but, guy. So you can't pay him based on this. But Duchesne got paid based on that. Oh, yeah. How quickly Duchesne. is he going to go down the mountain? Yeah. Everyone goes down the mountain. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Except Sidney Crosby. Do you see the friggin' ridiculous chart? I know. About him I, we'll we'll yeah. get into Crosby okay. next. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. Everyone goes down the mountain mm -hmm. eventually. Um, he's, I think it's like a 113-point pace right now. Yep. 
Uh, but guess what? I'm the bell of the ball, and yeah. you're giving me at least $8 million. And, and he's is, been consistent. Yeah. Is there a GM dumb enough to do it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't even think it's that <laughs> dumb. Time. We just talked about the Flyers uh, freeing up eight mil. Yeah, he, Kadri as a Flyer makes a lot of sense. Kadri yep. to Philly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hi, do you love high scoring shitheads? Ta-da! <laughs> I'm your guy. Man, he'd be a hero in Philly. Absolutely. Oh boy, Absolutely. I don't like nailed it. I don't. We should, we should tweet it. Report it. Yeah. Sources. Right there. Text, Sources, somebody text Chris Johnson right now. Sources Chris? say uh, blogger can count and it's sort of, he guessed right. Bad take. Old, current takes bad. No, current takes good. Current takes it's good, CTG. right? CTG. <laughs> current takes good. Um, by the way, how much do you think the Sidney Crosby liked scoring his 500th goal against the Flyers last night? Oh, like I think he point shaved in the games leading up <laughs> like so that like, he could do it again. How them. badly did he want that goal against the Flyers? Absolutely. I thought he was going to wait till tomorrow night. I thought it was going to be always, Toronto. Someone always does it during the against yeah. the Leafs. But I know. But I think he should send so that puck mm-hmm. is going to have the tape tape mm-hmm. around it and he should put in the tooth that Darian Hatcher knocked out of his one of the teeth that Darian Hatcher knocked out of his head when he was a rookie and mail it to him. With a signed photo of him winning a gold medal at the Olympics which Darian Hatcher didn't do. And three cups. And and three cups. Which Darren Hatcher was Darren Hatcher in Nagano? He might have won a gold medal. I don't know. <laughs> the U.S. didn't win the gold medal in Nagano. Uh, oh Czech, yeah, you're Czech right. Republic it was the Czech Republic. Did. I'm sorry, every Czech listening <laughs> to the show. Anyway, listen. Dominic Hasek won the gold medal in Nagano. I. It just. Who do you think Sidney Crosby values as a rival more, hmm. the Philadelphia Flyers or the Washington Capitals? I think he likes steamrolling the Flyers, but I think he respects the Capitals. Hmm. That's almost like, you know, it's like, God, I hate you, but God damn it, I respect you, Ron Burgundy. See, because you know? they've, the Penguins have done so much better against the Capitals. But if you go further back in Crosby's career, the Flyers had his number. They sure did. And those, those and what's going to make me sad here, guys, is that Crosby's getting older now. He's still playing great. <laughs> She's but the so Flyers good. can't get it together, and I'm sad that we may never get another Pittsburgh Philly series while he's still prime-ish. Because those were wars. I loved. Remember, like twelve, twenty twelve was ridiculous. Twenty twelve was an insane. It was second round. Uh, I don't remember if it was first or second, but that was Brzezgalov Flurry, oh. which was so fun. Oh, there was there was a game that got me yelled at by an editor um, when I worked at CBC. Because we were we were supposed to be making ninety like sixty to ninety second highlight packs, and we made one that was just over three minutes. <laughs> and he's like, "Cut the fights! There shouldn't be fights." I'm like, "I'm I'm like, bro, <laughs> it's Crosby versus Drew." <laughs> and it, like Malkin fought someone, and uh, Latang was in a fight. The game was eight four. Cut this goal! It was like a Wayne Simmons going end to end. Like, oh, it's ridiculous. Great let me, series. Get let me give us. you this. How many times in Sidney Crosby's career has he lost to the Philadelphia Flyers in the playoffs? Twelve. Did they lose to them in 2010? No. No, that was the Habs. Hmm. I'm going to say twice, one for sure, and there's one I can't remember. Only one time. Oh, it was only the one. Okay. Our imaginations deceive us. It's true. Uh, Crosby is... One, two, three 
three and one versus the Flyers in the playoff. What? Wow. what? Three and one. Yep, he's beat the Flyers in eight seventeen eighteen. They beat them in the first round. In uh, let me go back. They lost eleven twelve, and then in oh nine oh. 0809, they beat them in the first round, and then 0708, they beat them in the conference finals. Oh, Three and one. I just I, saw that. I just saw that. Yeah, I just. Here, I'm just bringing it up, Jesse. I don't know if you're able to put this up in real time. The chart I just sent you from J Fresh. Yeah, I just saw it pop up on my computer as well. <laughs> so he's so goofy. I just, okay. Is this sh- the Sharat one? The Sharat one. Oh no, 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 no. Th- this, this one Crosby? From, from Jay Fresh. So it's his, um, <laughs> this is amazing. It's his wins above replacement chart over <laughs> his career. Amazing. Like it's uh, the same. It's not even over his entire career too. It's starting in 07, 08. He's in the hundredth or like 99th percentile forever. It's a flat line. This is why I talked about there being a mountain and, uh, everyone goes down it except Sidney Crosby. This is for everyone who tweeted me when I picked Crosby when we were doing our little Christmas fantasy thing. Uh, what year is it? It is 2022, and Sidney Crosby is still the goddamn man. He is. No question. It's, that's, the, that's the dumbest thing in the world. I thought you saw Look this. at this. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a crazy thing. Now, I would like to show you another Jay Fresh tweet who is on fire today. <gasps> oh, heavens. This is about Ben Sherratt. That's so red. Here's the thing that doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to Sherratt, and it's the penalties. He has taken 44 more minor penalties than he's drawn since 2019. That's the second worst differential in the NHL. You can argue about the value he's, he brings when he's on the ice, but he does put you shorthanded plenty. I, okay, let me throw this out into the universe. Yep. I do not want the Leafs to get Ben Sherratt. I don't think he's the answer. I think he's going to cost too much. However, I want to make sure we're all right about Ben Sherratt for the right reasons. Okay. Are you using regular season statistics? And are you using regular season penalty differential statistics? I think probably they are. You're wrong. Because in the in the playoffs, penalties don't get called. You're wrong. Like, I why don't you tell me some other irrelevant things? What are what's his blood type? <laughs> well, where, where, he does he, where does he get his haircut? What? <laughs> so what, what size shoe does he wear? Jay Fresh responds to this. Um, oh, did he? Because someone said that. Well, he he did the Steve Dangle school of responding to the haters before they come at you. The pre-argue. The I love pre-argue it. Steve Dangle move, and he tweets. And before <laughs> I hear. But penalties don't get called in the playoffs. Oh, hey. Jay Fresh. Sherrod has taken 56 penalties in 154 regular season games since 2019, or 0.36 per game. He's taken 14 penalties in 32 playoff games since then, or 0.44 per game. This is more of an issue in the playoffs. See, that's how much gets called. Uh-huh. That's how much gets called. So I'm willing to bet his violence <laughs> increases tenfold. And uh, even though he takes more, he also gets away with more. His violence per 20? His violence per 20. That's yeah. that's always the argument about the Bruins. Because if you look at their actual penalties taken, like what? It's still high. Like it's mm-hmm. it's up there in the league. Yeah, but this the sheer amount of bullshit. You can't call everything. <laughs> you can't call everything. That's... um. 
Justin Bourne wrote an article years ago, and it was about Dustin Bufflin, how he, more than anybody in the league, it like he'll take a ton of penalties, but the um, the sheer amount. How many players have we? What what's the likelihood a player is ever going to take three minors in a game? That and it doesn't involve like roughing in a scuffle. You know what I mean? Like it's they're going to take unlikely. three stick infractions in a game. It's extremely unlikely. But how many players commit at least six <laughs> infractions a game? You know what I mean? It, come the playoffs, you could probably throw Sherratt in there, Bufflin in there. You might get dinged on two. But the other four are going to make people go, well, I just got a butt end to the face and nobody called it, so I may not go around that goalie so much anymore. Yeah. like And, and, and that's Ben Sherratt. So imagine how much someone with a like a really good reputation. I'm well, not saying Weber, he has Sherrod a bad one. would have been ugly to play. Ha! Huh, good lord. Yeah. Good. Shea Weber, we watched Shea Weber take a man by the back of the head and slam his head into the glass. And that was fine. Look it up. It's crazy. I, th- I think it was Henrik Zetterberg. He did that too. It's one of the most surreal things I've ever seen. Why wasn't he sent to jail? Why wasn't he kicked out of the league forever? But Listen, the playoffs, it's different, man. It's someone, different. you mentioned him. So someone needs to write the article on Dustin Bufflin and where he is right now and why he retired and why he just disappeared from hockey. I want to listen to that podcast yeah. and oh, read that article. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we need if you that can find him. Like, if, if you, you can, can find him. him in the woods, wherever he is, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear from Buff. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Miss him. Agreed. And, yeah. like, didn't, didn't get the send-off he should have. I, I, I don't think he, he wanted it. That's what I was just about to say. He didn't want it. Well, and the shame about how it ended with the Jets is Jets fans don't get the chance to say goodbye. Yeah, because they love him. He yep. he deserves his opportunity to blow the roof off that building and have their fans give him his due. But there's a strained relationship between him and the organization. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Sundin and the Leafs. Or Dave Keon in the Leafs. Dave Keon in the Leafs. Or Daryl Sittler in the Leafs. Or Landy McDonald in the Leafs. Or Boreas Alming in the Leafs. Dave Keon in the Leafs. Like, how long did that bridge take to fix? Three decades? Four? Four decades. Took a long time. Phil Castle in the Leafs. Phil Phil Castle in the Leafs. Yes. (laughs) By the way, Phil Castle apparently can be had. Salary 50% retained for like a second round pick or something like that. I think I saw third. Was it a third? And nobody wants him. Oh, why? Have they not watched playoff Phil Castle? He's real good. Like, I don't care what he's doing in the regular season. If he's on your third line and you, you set him up on the power play, like, even though, like, okay, I'm going to leafs this for a second. Do it. You bring in, say, say some dummy way you're able to bring in Phil Castle. By the way, Nick Ritchie's going the other way. That's the only way this works. Oh, I love it. And you're already retained on Castle anyway, so the Leafs would have, you know, his, so his, his cap would count again. Yay. Um, but would, would he get two paychecks from the same team? How would that work? I don't know how that works. That's a really good question. <laughs> Ask, Ask Alan. Alan. Hey, Ask Alan. so <laughs> no, it's funny. I'll make a good gift. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, uh, I turned away from you. <laughs> Tom Brady. Um, uh, what was amazing about it is that like, I was just imagining this. This is so stupid, but like Matthews on the left side. Kessel, no, no, I love no. Matthews is already on the wing. I love it. Matthews on the wing. Kessel on the wing. What? Marner in the center. And then shut your mouth. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then and then no no on a power play. Oh okay. On a power play. On a power play with like Morgan Riley and I don't even care at that point. John Tavares or William Nylander. Sure. Hmm. Um because well if you had Nylander, then you've got the three best shots the Leafs have ever seen. Like 
Matt, Nylander's shot's incredible. Someone, it's, a, it's an incredible shot. I know, I know everybody gets mad at me when I say this. Sometimes it misses, and it misses big when it misses. But boy, is it good. I'm I, telling you, Someone. I would love to see Marner setting up. Oh, do I go to Kessel or Matthews with this shot? Mm. Do you remember when somebody on Twitter came back at you with the William Nylander missing and cross he, thing? Like, and they he, were right. And he, but threw, it was like, and he threw the charts at they you were and right. was like, actually. I forget who it was, but they were right. <laughs> but I still say, you know, it's, it's like the Brian McCabe syndrome. When they miss, they miss big. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what that it was. was. Uh, I feel like something was written about that with Dion Phaneuf. What do you mean, ago. with hits or something? L like, um, he misses the net more than other players. I don't think he... I, oh, I believe the numbers revealed that. that he didn't. But, like, dude, they sailed... Yeah, when he did miss, it was like feet high, yeah. like I noticeable. Got yeah, I, I can see the puck going into the the fucking over the glass. If I drove ten cars, uh, or every ten cars I drove, one of them got set on fire. People would be like, "You set a lot of cars on fire," and you'd yeah. be like, "No, I only set ten percent of my cars." Yeah, on fire. exactly. So, so um, anyway. how many cars am I going to own over my life? Exactly. I'll probably avoid it. Uh, long story short, I, I, it's silly that a team wouldn't pick up Kessel. I think that's crazy. Uh, that's I, crazy. You can't find room in your lineup on your third line for Phil Kessel? Come uh, on. I'm looking up. Mm, I'm trying to find a match. And team not willing to pay a high price, but team that always seems to have a horseshoe up their ass. Acquire, oh, acquire, uh, acquire an uh, underappreciated asset. Mm -hmm. Who am I, I going to say? Tampa Bay. No, I was going to say Carolina. Oh. Oh. Mm -hmm. They have the room, too. They do, but their right side is Natchez, Jarvis, Fost, they and Stephen Lawrence. So they don't need that. Uh, not really, but that's why they're going to do it And anyway. I can tell you the Leafs are not going to bring Phil Kessel back because I'm fairly sure, fairly sure that the reason they jettisoned him so quickly when the new regime took over is they were not a fan. Of okay. his attitude. Yeah. So I, wonder, I don't think that they, and and listen, you, you can say what you want about Phil's attitude. Uh, it's it the 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 moniker has followed him around where he's gone, wherever he's gone, except for Phoenix because no one cares. Or sorry, Arizona. Arizona. Sorry, you know, Timpy. But, sorry, Glendale. Sorry, sorry yeah. Scottsdale. Healer, sorry, Healer River. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a name. Hmm? You can see it on my screen, Steve. I but I'm not wearing my glasses, so I actually the can't. Minnesota <laughs> Wild. That's oh. Minnesota. Oh my god, I'm blind. You I are thought blind. that was the Sabres, bro. <laughs> oh no. Underrated team, I think that is going to buy at the deadline is the Minnesota Wild. They have to. They have to. Plus, they are playing really well. The second line of Fiala, uh, Goudreau, and Boldy has been on fire. Boldy's... Kevin Fiala is having just unbelievable That's the best no thing reason. Paul Fenton never did for that team. Fiala? Yeah. yeah. He was a huge Fiala guy. And uh, the Greenway line on the third line, maybe you throw in Phil Kessel there. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. The Arison Eck, Jordan Greenway, and Phil Kessel. There's something there. And Kaprizov's having his Kaprizov season. Yeah, he's, he's so yeah. good. There are no doubts about that contract. <laughs> if there are any doubts about it, he is sit, uh, threw them out the window. Uh, the, I mean, the doubts were based in truth. Yeah. But holy shit. He did it. Yeah. You better uh, perform. Well, here's him performing. Second place in a division that they got a shot at finishing within the top three, I think, easily. They're and they've second. played the second fewest games in the league. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Minnesota. Buyers. Look out. Real good. What's funny? <laughs> I'm just laughing. So, I tweeted out our segment before the show of what the Leafs are going to do at the trade deadline, right? Because we have, you know, you have our shows on our YouTube channel. 
and I wanted to see what the reaction was because I just wrote not Sherat, not Sherat, not Sherat. About, it was about like trade deadline from our last show. And I have been bombarded with Montreal Canadiens fans who are going, I, longtime Leaf fan, want you think, think he's worth two first round picks for Sherat. I'm, I am concerned that they're going to do this. I, it's almost like Matt Bolesky again. I'm also concerned. I, there's someone who just every now and then out of the blue, it's like he psychologically is breaking me down. Andrew like, Berkshire. He doesn't. No, it's not Berkshire. Okay. That's your only clue. It's but he just psychologically, when I least expect it, he's like, I think the Leafs need Sherratt, and I'm just like, oh my god, I please stop. Who is it? Please stop. I'm not telling you. I'm not. Uh, I'll tell you uh, after the playoffs. You'll tell me after the playoffs, <laughs> or if he becomes a Leaf. Can't you just no, no, tell no, no, me? Okay, I'll tell, I'll tell you after you the playoffs about? if he doesn't join the Leafs on the show, or I we will have him on as a guest uh, if they get him. So that he what? can explain himself. Okay. He can. Is this speak a person that's correctly predicted what the least we're going to do before? Yeah. So this. Okay. So this person is somebody we would know. Oh, this isn't like my cousin who's like, you know what? I think they're getting shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, you, you didn't. You did oh, not. Sorry. No, say no, no, that. No, no, no. This so. is. Uh, this is. Uh, this <laughs> is someone in the in the biz. Oh boy. Somebody in the know says the Leafs are getting shot. No, should get Sherrod. Oh, should. Okay. That's, they, that's a different story. They have been... That's a different, no, completely how, different story. PowerPoint presentation. Here's how he's going to make them better. Okay. And they're not going to do that. Oh. <laughs> that's like a... Them saying they think it's going to happen versus, hey, I want this to happen. That's different. I am sad. It's not I want. It's legit. I think. All right. It's going to make them better. Let's do the press conference. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. Adam, there, no one in the first round has ever been good. Don't worry about it. Or the second round. That's, That's all they have left. Jim. No one drafted in the first round has ever. Don't oh worry about God. it. Oh, God. Second rounders are better than first. Taylor yeah. Hall for a second. See? True. Could have had a fin. Could have had a fin. Um... <laughs> Deep cut. Black Deep History cut. Month, guys. Yes. Let's talk about the Harlem Hellfighters. Let's do it. Let's talk about the sickest name in military history. I am hooked. Mm -hmm. Harlem Hellfighters. Okay. Now, this is, a, uh, this is a story. There's so much about this story that I can't get into today because I'm, I'm doing it in like three minutes. But I, I so, with a name like Harlem Hellfighters, there are books written about these, these guys. You have to look them up because it's insane. This story is crazy. I want to take you back to the United States pre-World War I. And I'm not talking about pre-United States pre-World War I. I'm talking about the United States before they entered World War I. Ooh. This is a country that was anti-military. The United States, believe it or not, if you think it's the, Ameri the American way to have a big old fat military, actually, that's pretty new. In the 250-year, 300-year history, one of the things that Americans really liked was that they had local militias, but they did not have a strong federal army. They did not want to be engaged in European politics. They didn't want to get, they have to spend a pile of money to send an army across the world, which is what they've done ever since. Yeah. Hey, there's this conflict going on elsewhere. And mm. they would respond, that sounds like a them problem. 100%. And I hope they have fun. Well, it's like what, during the, uh, the, the French helped them out against the British during the uh, American Revolution. Mm -hmm. And when the French asked for help, the Americans said, no. And by the way, that money you lent us, since the king is no longer the king, we don't owe you anymore. Look that up. Thomas Jefferson. Oh. Yeah. Once the king was taken out, uh, he was like, oh, we don't owe you the, the loans anymore. 
pretty wild, right? Now let's let's get into the the, the this also America that you don't recognize anymore, um, because they were underequipped, they were poorly trained, and they thought they were pretty good at war because they had faced some some people in Mexico during the Mexican American War. They had had a skirmish essentially that was blown out of proportion in Cuba, where Teddy Roosevelt, who was fifty. So he made up his own unit of cavalry, got got them their own uniforms. They weren't American issue uniforms. They were just Teddy felt like this and he made himself his own officer's uniform. Then he charged up a hill in Cuba and wrote a book about it. And that's what happened. And it's all largely in, inaccurate anyway. But that's actually you used to be able to if you were rich enough and America went to war, you could just buy your own unit and put it together. And that's what they did during the, the Spanish-American War. I'm not kidding. That's like 1900. It's not that long ago. Wow. That's the state of the military. Now, you know, America is extremely racist. The world, extremely racist. If, we, if we're talking about racial terms, like the Roman Empire, you could have a black man or a Middle Eastern man running a British province. And in fact, they did. You know, the, the, the racism that we know today just didn't exist in the same way. I'm sure there was people who were racist back then. But that is largely a very, you know, last 500 years thing. And around the turn of the century, last century, the 1900s, racism really hit its peak. It was indoctrinated into national thoughts. It was put into legal documents. It was, um, it was one of those things that was so cauterized. This race is the superior race. And these other races are not so superior. And what World War I did was kind of knock all that stuff down. Because what you had was... A country like France, which had Algerian territories that had many other territories, but the Algerians are the ones I want to focus on. Black soldiers in the Poilu jersey. <laughs> I call them jersey, but they're actually, you know, right. Yeah, they're wearing blue and they're fighting just the same as the white boys. The guys from the soldiers from India fighting just the same, just as hard. In fact, many times harder than the British soldiers. Right. So the American army, uh, when it starts to gear up for war, it reorganized what was called the 15th New York National Guard Regiment, uh, commonly referred to as the Harlem Hellfighters, into the 369th Division. There's a lot of divisions. And these guys consisted mainly of African Americans, also included some Puerto Ricans, uh, Cubans, Guyanese, uh, Liberians, Portuguese, Canadians, and people from the West Indies as well. And they were also staffed by white American officers because, of course, they wouldn't let black American officers do this. It's not the first time it happened. There was a black regiment in the Civil War on the northern side. Um, but this is one of the this is kind of one of those things where later on um, they they traveled down to the southern states. I believe it was one of the Carolinas, north or south. And this is where the racial barriers start to come down a little bit, because when they arrive, the soldiers who are also training at the camp who are white don't like them. And. After a while, you know, you're in the trenches, you get to know people and you're just training, you're in basic training. Um, you start to get to humanize these people, right? You've been segregated for so long. It's pretty easy to dehumanize somebody when you don't know them. And then you get to know them and all of a sudden, well, they're, they're human beings. And what happened was, you know, these soldiers would be on off duty and they'd go into town and they try to sh shop at certain places. And the white owners would say, no, you can't, you, you can't buy stuff here. And the white American soldiers... Uh, started to boycott the businesses that wouldn't serve black patrons because they said, these are our buddies and they're going to war for you. So that was, that was a big change. It's a major story, especially for the time, right? You got to remember how 
racist and segregated, segregated the South was for a long, long time afterwards. So they, they train, they go over to France, which is where the uh, Western Front is happening. And they assign this unit, this regiment, to the French because the American army does not want black soldiers in the army. You have to remember that the British and the French armies were largely multinational. You know, the British, British country, like, like France had the biggest army in the world at the time. A lot of their troops were colonial. If they're from uh, Vietnam, if they're from Algeria, as I mentioned, the first trenches to ever be gassed were Algerian trenches. So they're used to having integrated servicemen. And in France, the racism is just not the same. French, there are, there are American performers who go over to France in the 20s and 30s and actually probably pre-World War I as well, who become huge stars in France where they never could have gotten these jobs or performed to these crowds in the United States because France didn't view races the same way. I'm not saying they weren't racist. I'm just saying it was different. Right. And so the Harlem Hellfires are, uh, fighters are assigned to the French government. And they are uh, nicknamed the Men of Bronze. In, in French, it's the Homme de Bronze or the Black Rattlers. They are vicious to fight against. Absolutely vicious. And here's the thing. The American army shows up and goes, you Europeans, you don't know how to make war. Let us try. So they jump into the trench and the Americans lose far more soldiers than they should because they come in and go, we're going to fight like it's 1914. The French and the British are like, we're not. We've, we've, here, here's the playbook on how to fight now. And they're like, we don't need any of that bullshit. We're American. We'll just march over. Right. And they get destroyed. But these guys, not so much because they are fighting for the French. Now, um, the legend of the Hellfighters name came apparently from German troops. So they called Canadians stormtroopers. They called this, this Harlem division the Hellfighters because they were so, so mean to fight against. Um, they were put at the tip of the spear, usually. This is a, uh, of any American regiment, they lost the most people, 1,500 casualties over the course of the war. Remember, America's only in the war like 18 months. And the reason for that is because they were the ones at the tip of the spear. Now, the Rhine River, which is an important dividing line, it's, the, it's, a, it's a river in, in Germany. Um, this is the first group that crossed the Rhine River into Germany. So Jesus. like they were in World War One in World War One. And remember, World War One ended with without the allies going into Germany and destroying it like it did in World War Two. Right. It was sort of like, OK, let's all stop before we have to cause more shit here. That's how they ended World War One. So for them to get that far into Germany is incredible. I want to uh, I want to read you one story. Um, and this is directly uh, from the Internet, from Wikipedia. But I actually love this story. And they they kind of sum it up perfectly. Um. The most celebrated man in the division was Private Henry Johnson, a former Albany, New York rail station porter who earned the nickname Black Death for his actions in combat in France. In May 1918, Johnson and a private Needham Roberts fought off a 24-man German patrol, though both were severely wounded. Johnson instructed Roberts to warn the French units of the approaching patrol, but Roberts returned to him after the Germans opened fire on their position. They battled together until a German grenade incapacitated Roberts, at which point Johnson made it his mission to hold the line and protect his fellow soldier. After they expended their ammunition, Johnson battled with grenades and then the butt end of his rifle and finally a bolo knife. Reports suggest Johnson killed at least four German soldiers and might have wounded as many as 30 others while sustaining 
uh, sorry, might have wounded 30 others while sustaining at least 21 injuries himself. Over 100 men from the 369th were presented with American and or French decorations. Among those honors, Johnson was the first American to receive the Croix de Guerre, which is one of the highest, uh, if not the highest, honors in the French military. Now, what's sad about this is, you know, a lot of people have heard the name Harlem Hellfighter. A lot of people don't know the story. And that's why things like Black History Month are important. I'm surprised with all the war shit that America revels in that they have not made a movie about this. It'd be a cool movie. It'd be an insane movie. Yeah. I was about to say, like, they must have. They made a movie about the, um, about the first black infantry unit in the Northern Army in, uh, it's called Glory, uh, and that's in the Civil War, and it's a great movie. About, although there's a bit of a white savior complex going on in there, but Samuel L. Jackson, I believe, is in that. I think uh, uh, a young Denzel Washington is in that. Is Samuel in that? Denzel's in it, and I know that... Um, Oh God! Just look it up. Yeah, who is in this? It's a great movie. Great cast. Um, it's from 1989. Uh, Matthew Broderick is in it as the they're kind of like guy. They're the yeah Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Carrie Elwes, Morgan Freeman. Some really, really big names in that movie, and it's really really well done. But this this one needs to be a movie. This is a the the thing is is that in the United States. There's something like, I think they lost something like 300,000 people. There was 300,000 casualties, something like that in World War I. In just 18 months. In 18 months. Wow. And it's, the war is completely ignored, right? So, of course, a black infantry unit from that war would be even more so looked over, right? They talk, they talk about John Blackjack Pershing, and that's about it when they talk about World War I. And then they talk about Woodrow Wilson and his, his you know, his 14 points and um, the, the Treaty of Paris and the American involvement in that, they never talk about the people on the ground. And this is one of those groups that, again, I have told you like 1% of 1% of what this group did and how game-changing it was. And then, you know, these guys, they go and they fight and they come back and America still hates them. So, it's real quick before you get yeah. into that. Um, you and I both listened to Bl Blueprint for Armageddon. Yes. By Dan Carlin, which I believe is 24 hours worth of podcast about the First World War. Right. And no longer free, unfortunately. You do have to pay for it now. Really? Yeah, because he, oh, he takes, after a certain amount of time, he takes them off and you pay for them. I buy them through Apple. I honestly might. Um, are the Harlem Hellfighters mentioned? I don't believe so. Yeah, because I don't remember hearing about this at all. There's so much detail from World War One. Yeah. Um, I, I don't fault... I don't fault him for that. No, no. He's trying to play a full narrative and explain World War One to people who largely only know about World War Two. Like people, you talk to people about who call themselves history buffs, and I don't blame people for this, but they're they're history buffs. It's like I like one war, and it's World War Two, and that's all I'm interested in. Well, what is more yeah. fascinating to me is what caused World War Two, which is World War One and before. Right. Well, in World War Two is it's uh, it's painted as you know bad. Uh, Good triumphing over evil. Yes. And et cetera, et cetera. World War One, from that podcast perspective, if you don't, I, I tried not to think about it while I was learning the history from him and just the things that happened, but just how devastatingly sad and needless it was. But pointless. Then, it's but a pointless war. Completely pointless. But then there's moments where he doesn't let you avoid it. Right. He doesn't let you avoid it's, it, it, it. World War One was oftentimes slaughter for the sake of slaughter. Right. And yeah, there's no, and there's no reason. So so I think that this is one of those ones where if I was if I was a big Hollywood movie producer, I'd be picking up the rights to this story. I think it's a spectacular story that needs to be told. 
And I think it needs to be told. People are like, well, you know, if you do that, it's in, it's too much of a pop culture. Like what is, a lot of people have a, against war movies is that it's too much glory to America, which I guess I can get down with. And it's also too much. Um, it, 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 they say it cheapens the experience. And I say that that's wrong. You know, if you're if you're talking about like a movie like Saving Private Ryan, that is a really well done war movie. If you walk, if you look at Band of Brothers, really well done war series. And what it does is it gets people interested in the timeline of events. You know, it's Saving Private Ryan is not about why World War II happened, but I can guarantee you that a bunch of people who watch it go, "Why the hell were we there anyway? Why did they have to invade France? What were they doing on that beach?" You know. Like people, it gets people interested in the subject, and I think that's where it becomes important. And this one, I think, is a it's a story or a, a mini series or an HBO or a Netflix or something w waiting to happen. It's a spectacular story. I'm shocked it hasn't been made yet. So Har Harlem Hellfighters, check them out. There's lots of great books on them, um, and a spectacular sort of deep dive into the history of a hundred years ago, which isn't that long, and how different the world was. It's a flash in the pan. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, a hundred years. It's nothing. Nothing. Sorry to take up so much time, but there you go. What do you guys think of uh, Gen Z kids calling the 1990s the late 1900s? <laughs> is that a thing? It's a thing. It's a thing. They I kind of like that to bother millennials. Oh, that's, I that's hate what it. it is. Like they'll call 1998 the late 1900s. I would love when the oh, Spice Girls were popular in the late 1900s. You don't have to because like. <laughs> It's my own knowledge of my life is enough to bother me about how old I am. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need to say, oh, yeah, the late 1900s. At least you're making fun of it, which is like, there's some, I think everyone has like a weird before and after year for their life. What's your year? For, for some reason, when I was 14. Oh. Like, I just my life changed after that. And I was, how old was I when I was 14? That was 2002. Okay. It's unbelievable to me how long ago 2002 was. It's like, mm -hmm. watch something from 2002. It's unrecognizable. Go watch highlights from the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> the game's different. Dude, What game's different. The footage looks like shit. It does. You can barely see anything. And no, but you were a rich person. If you, if you got it in like, you would, you would want the biggest TV. It would weigh a thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. So that you could watch a bunch of men in terrible goatees. Pixelated. Go go back and forth. Because who was it? It was the Red Wings versus who? They killed them that year. The Flyers? Or the Capitals? You mean in, in the, that in was the finals? 90, 99 was the Capitals. Flyers was 98. Or no, 97. I don't fuck. Anyway, the... Uh, the Red Wings versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. Mm. That was uh, when friggin' Jeff O'Neill ruined my life. Uh, knocking out the Toronto oh, Maple Leafs. Nice. Brendy Shanman with the series winning goal of fourteen oh four of uh, second period of Game Five. But, like, go watch pop culture. Yeah, go. You know, you will never know what it was like to download a Busta Rhymes music video <laughs> on Kazaa. Busta, what it is right now? That took five hours. <laughs> My the first song I ever downloaded was "Running with the Devil" from Van Halen. It took me twenty four hours. Oh my god! A full twenty four hours. Oh my god! And it had it had pops in it. You remember that? Like remember songs would just have like random pops, where it'd be like some DJ, some random internet DJ. Like whenever I, I Kanye West Gold Digger, and there was just somebody who was like on Power one hundred six, and he was like, I can't believe Kanye got down like that. Like it was just like a literally a radio cut that somebody took from the radio and put it on the internet as a download. One day, 
Leo is going to come home with history homework. Oh, and, and it's going to be you. Well, no, because you know how kids, they come home and they, I don't know. I used to come home and tell my parents history. You know what I learned? Mm -hmm. it, not. Did you know that blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, Dad, did you ever hear of Napster? Yeah. And I'm going to say, son, I downloaded songs on, Nap on Napster. I was yeah. a dirty thief. And also LimeWire and Kazaa and a few of the other ones when they start started making it illegal. Yeah. Facebook's getting up there where it's been around long enough that'll like enter our curriculum. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Leo will learn about Facebook. That, uh, he'll I've come home to he'll home to you and be like, "Hey, were you on Facebook? I just, oh yeah, this is thing." I I've, was, but I was <laughs> only university kids could get on it. Yeah. I've told this story before, but I was talking to a high school class a few years ago, and I was like, "Who remembers this?" And I was able to go through the social medias and. They would all have their hands up, and then a few hands would go down, and then almost all the hands go down, and then they, I go, who remembers Napster? Not a hand in the room went up until one student raised their hand, and I go, yes, and they go, is that the thing from the Napster movie? Or from the Facebook movie? <laughs> and I just went, holy shit. So we're there. Yeah, you only you only understand what that is because of a pop culture reference. Yes, that's that blows my mind. I know I sound old as shit right now, but <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care. For some reason, fourteen is my cutoff. What what's yours? I'm curious to know what. You I don't. I don't think I have that. I no? never thought about anything like that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesse was born himself, born a man. I, I, no, there's there's a series of moments in your life, but I don't have one age. No, I have no. A series of events. I think grade seven for me is like when I entered. Like it was a, there was a change. Grade six, you're a child. Grade seven, you're like, wow, things are different for me. When I went to middle school, things got weird. I I didn't. I grade seven, grade eight were the worst two years of my schooling. I hated them. But uh, uh, I think grade seven for me was like the big changeover year. It was just changeover to what? I well, I think I like you, you start to know it. Like there's like puberty hits and you're yeah. Things, you, you're things asking what age you get more puberty? serious? You hit puberty? I think like, twelve. I think twelve. What is that? Twelve. <laughs> 12. So, you know what happened very early when you and I were in grade eight was nine eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was an extremely that large. That was a big change. moment. I remember waiting for the school bus, uh -huh. and myself and a bunch of other thirteen year olds were trying to piece together what happened. Yeah, because we none of us understood. I had art class, and they had the radio on, and we're just like, they're like, okay, go ahead and color, and we're talking, we're listening about these towers that, and it was like 10 a.m. I don't even know if the towers had fallen yet. Uh, no, and I, I remember my teacher being like, oh yeah, terrorists, and I was like, oh my god, Russians, because <laughs> that's what it had been before. <laughs> James Bond, yeah, that was my only reference for the world. I was a child. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we I got here. I was in grade four when 9/11 happened. I I don't, I don't think I understood Did it register? It. No. Yeah, it kind of. Yeah. Like I, I really? knew, like in, it happened. I kind of remember, but I don't think it was like important in my life. I was in grade four. I <laughs> was the first to get home that day. And uh, like we didn't have phones. So none of us had seen pictures or footage. Mm -hmm. And I got home and experienced that for the first time alone with no adults mm -hmm. to explain what the fuck I was watching. And I remember that being really fucked up. Dude. All right, so uh, that's <laughs> all the Steve Dangle podcast. To close the show. Late 90s, um, baby. I yeah. want to shout out everybody Early who 2000. tweeted myself and tweeted Adam that on March 11th, Drive to Survive is coming Woo! back on Netflix. Woo! We will be watching that along with you and uh, 
hopefully coming to the podcast with Steve Dango, who has also seen it by that point, and giving some reviews and thoughts on the please, series. Can you please watch this? I'm not doing it to fuck with you. It's just time. You're a little time. jerk. You're just being a jerk. And wow. Get it together. I know. It's hurting me, man. It's hurting me. All right. Hey, we'll see you Friday. We love you. Talk to you then. Anything else to add? Uh, tonight, 8 p.m., Canada vs. U.S. Simulation, twitch.tv slash Live. CJ Show, or CJ Show. CJ Show will be on Game Over Montreal Thursday night. Woo! Who's going to score the gold medal winning goal? You're not allowed to pick MPP. That's cheating. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.